Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways to Make You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland at a secret location, not using the normal um, uh, Lorenz encrypting machine for his uh, <laughs> for his transmissions today. So, Across the border, where are, Scotland. Where are you? You're in Scotland. Oh, fantastic. What's well, St. Oh, Andrews? Uh, no, I'm in Melrose. Oh, very nice. Ooh. Yeah, very nice. And uh, I was in St. Boswell's last night. Oh, very good. Melrose, then St Andrews, oh. and very nice it is too. You had a little bit, of, you know, a bit of pudding and haggis for breakfast. I was going to say, have you had the full good. Scottish? Yeah, yeah. Of course. you know, good. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> good. Uh, absolutely classic. Drive up from um, through uh, Northumberland yesterday. You know, sort of. Yeah. You know, the sky wasn't bruising; it was absolutely battered, and uh, yeah. the rain was sheeting down, and you know, it was all kind yeah. of. You were expecting Viking hordes to kind of sort of appear over the hill on my kind of left flank any moment, but um, I mean, it, I it, it does very much feel. I mean, I know it's because you know it uh, uh, when you're driving through it, but it does feel like a borderland, doesn't it? Very, that <laughs> yeah. part of the world, doesn't it? And I know, I know you, you know that, so that's why maybe why you're thinking that, and it suggests itself to you. But it does very much feel like the edge of somewhere, yeah. um, far more than anywhere else, um, uh, far more than Shrewsbury, for instance. Um, that doesn't feel at all like that. A, a, a border frontier. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I suppose it's because it's sort of you know it's that kind of, sort of massive moorland, isn't it? And it's yeah. sort of bleak yeah, and and uh, not a lot going on, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of wild yeah. open moorland, but it's an amazing. I mean, what a drive! A sixty eight up through Otterburn. I mean, yeah, yeah. You can't fault that drive, can you? No. I, I came I came back that way um, uh, 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 during the summer um, or in late August, which is marvelous. Anyway. Um, uh, but you're so you're out. Um, uh, are you out on the road plugging the book? I mean, yes, I am. Book, I'm doing. I'm doing. Plugging the book makes you sound like makes you sound like I don't know Grace Jones with an autobiography on Wogan. Are you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really nice because when Sicily came out last year, you know, I couldn't really do anything apart from a couple of Zoom lectures, which are kind of yeah. they just sort of fry your brain and eyes. So yeah, you're not massively keen on those. So it's been really nice to sort of get out and about. And, you know, I had a lovely evening in Leicester and a few of the independent company members turned up. None yeah. of them met each other and immediately turned into best friends. And Aww. we all pooped off to, the, off to the pub for a pint. And, you know, I was sort of looking around, talking to them and sort of asking what they all did. One was a postman. One was a postgraduate. Right. Another did sort of financial stuff for a, um, a school academy. Another was a, was a scrap metal merchant. And it was just... I thought that's amazing. Cross section is absolutely brilliant. We're we're an asexual dating service for Second World War nerds, aren't we? Basically. Yeah, completely, hundred <laughs> percent. And then I had a lovely time in Ripon yesterday. It was a tiny little bookshop. It was, it was called the Little Lunchtime Lecture uh, um, in the Little Ripon Bookshop. And yeah, it was a sort of back room. It was a kind of super spreader event because there were kind of sort of twenty four people. Oh God, tiny space. <laughs> and then, then last night in St Boswell's and the Main Street Trading Company it was just what an amazing bookshop that is so it's a bookshop yeah. cafe deli home furnishing store in this sort of old warehouse and it's just right. absolutely wonderful it was absolutely wow. so, 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 so it's a great time 
warehouse retail then, which is the way to go. Get off the high street, go somewhere we've got space to do it all properly. Um, uh, it was all sort of old floor, wooden floorboards and stuff. You know, it just had a really nice vibe to it. I loved it. Where's that again? Where's that again it's for those that some Boswell, right. which is sort of you know about five miles from Melrose. Right, lovely. Love. Right, okay. So, and this is with this is with um, brothers in arms, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um. The 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 story of the Sherwood Rangers there last year. Um. I I, I put something on and, and I leapt out of the podcast doing the advert. I, I, the, the last thing I want to do is be surprised by the sound of my own voice. I want complete control over when I hear my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a lot of leapt out about your audio book actually. Sorry, you're getting what? A lot of very nice comments about your audio book. Well, that's nice to hear. I mean, it's it's it, it, it's you know you it, you're only as good as the stuff you're reading. Um, oh. is the is is the truth, uh, Jim? <laughs> um, no, no, I mean that. I absolutely mean that. Well. Sometimes you're wading through stuff, thinking, "Oh God, uh, I can't make sense of this." But anyway, um, uh, uh, and the the we haven't spoken since the event have we since the no. launch oh, I've got the national army museum like eons ago now doesn't it it's yeah amazing. yeah yeah but but a, a lot of fun and we're, we're sort of trying to find dates and things for for next year and something a little bit better and iron out some of the issues that came up this year but basically i mean the bottom line was that i think everyone who came had a really really fantastic time didn't they yeah yeah they did they did they had a their brilliant time That's and that- um uh, well, I know I did, and um, and my, you know, my my father is still buzzing. I'm, I'm my my mother tells me he's still sky high as a result, so that's nice. Um, uh, 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 yeah, I mean, well, and on the on, uh, oh gosh, when do we record this? When does this go out? This goes out after Monday. Yes. So last night you'll have heard all about it all over again. There we go. <laughs> if you're a Patreon, <laughs> you're a Patreon listener. And if you don't know what we're talking about, there on a Monday night. Um, we do a live cast where you can watch us um, engaged in Second World War waffle, um, uh, but you have to be a member of our Patreon. And normally we don't plug this stuff, but I, I feel like I had to explain that then. Anyway, but what are we what are we going to talk about today, Jim? Well, I'm quite um, keen to talk. I'm quite keen to talk talk pattern. And the reason I want yeah. to talk pattern is because I've been looking at his diaries again. I mean, yeah. I, had, I went to, when I went over to um, last time I was in the US, I, I went to the Library of Congress and got the 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 originals. So I had the original diaries, which are written in this kind of just unbelievable scroll. I mean, his, his handwriting yeah. was was really, really terrible. At some point, though, they were all typed up. And I think the most sort of the, the greatest profanities were left out. Of course. But um, I photographed a lot of the um, typed up diaries as well. But what I've also managed to just get hold of is um, this very, very good archive called Paperless Archives. And what these guys do is they go around yeah. doing sort of key key primary sources from the National um, Administration and Records Archive in the US yeah. and other places like the Library of Congress. And they photograph and digitise them and you can purchase them for kind of, you know, 12 bucks. You can buy patterns and diaries. Um, really? So, so I did. And um, I, I've been reading them. And, and from the 1st of August, when he takes over active command in Normandy of first Arm, of Third Army, yeah. all the way through to the end of the end of the year, and, and yep. so it's, it's just absolutely fascinating. And then in tandem of this, PCA put me onto this article, um, which I sent to you about the logistics of the, yeah. and I thought that was, was, you know, it's just absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, is um, the, when it comes to Patton, <laughs> he is such a magnetic personality, isn't he? I mean, that, yeah. because that article, that article you sent me about logistics is absolutely fascinating. And what what it, what reading it? What it really strikes me as it's the story of what happens to the American army, the American army's realization 
by you know by the the, the people in charge of what they what they're actually trying to attempt. And very early on, you get this you get this clear decision that we're gonna it's gonna be materiel first rather than manpower. And of course, that's and Marshall says that it's going to be materiel, not manpower. Yep. And you could read that as the old view of things, which is well, they're gonna what what the Allies are gonna do is overwhelm the Germans by just having more stuff. Because that's not really what they mean. No. What they mean is steel, not flesh. Is that we're going to use the stuff um, rather than, you know, manpower. So the, yeah. the, the, the cart and the horse, we've changed our mind as to which is the cart and which is the horse, if you see, if you see what I mean, right? Yeah. The, 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 and, and I think that's really, really interesting because that's that you could, you could easily misinterpret that. And I think people... I think people have. But what's really interesting in that piece is Patton is put at the centre. Because he's because he's this magnetic personality, Patton is put at the centre of the lessons the American military learn. And he's there at critical moments and does interesting things that are part of that lesson learning process. But 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 the but the truth is 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 Clark, Hodges, Bradley, they're all learning this stuff too, that they've got to lead with their um you know that you need you need all all the staff officers completely on the money, and the sort of emerging hero in this piece about um, Patton's um, uh, uh, staff, uh, uh, you know, and and the the miracles they perform is Walter Muller. Walter yeah, G four. He's G four, right? Who who quite clearly Patton comes to him and goes, "I need this sorted out yesterday." Muller and his staff, which is tiny really, um, get 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 you know. Um, get cracking i mean he's got 19 officers three warrant officers and 40 enlisted men yeah right for an army right yeah it's, and it's absolutely extraordinary isn't it and, and obviously each you know that's that's the army staff and then each 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 corps has a staff and then each division has a <clears> staff and you know I, I you know i understand that but that sounds like not very many blokes to do um any essentially a gigantic job and and because he's making Patton is making essentially just strategic decisions, isn't he, about his about his patch that he's been allotted. This is big, big yeah. organisational stuff, isn't it? Or, I mean, it's or, really yeah, impressive. It, it absolutely is. But I think what's really interesting is I do think that Patton is an operational level genius. I, I really, really do. I, I think he could totally, you know, because when we think of Patton, we just think of him as tactical flair and the kind of old blood and guts and driving people forward. And, yeah. You know, he yeah. gets stuff done because he's a harder driver of men than anyone else. And I yeah. think that is... I don't think that's entirely true. I think he does push his men, his 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 guys hard, and I think his theory behind driving hard is so you can get get the job done quicker. So ultimately, you lose less men. I mean that that's his theory behind it, and and you know aggression is is a key attribute of any sound commander. That's that that would be his argument. But what he absolutely gets, and this goes back to the Louisiana maneuvers, where he completely out out operations. Um, the kind of the Red Army. I think he's the Blue Army, isn't he? Yeah. The yeah, yeah. Louisiana Maneuvers of 1941. Um, is he completely gets it? And, and you see this in Sicily as well. You, you, yeah. know, you know, what is remarkable about the drive to Palermo is not the opposition, which is very, very weak. It is the operational level, the logistics of moving yeah. his provisional corps in such rapid speed across terrain such as Sicily in the middle of July. I mean, that's yeah. the achievement when they've only been on the cut on, on the island a week, you know, it's, yeah. it's absolutely phenomenal. But, and, you but, know, but, within, but, within days of him, you know, literally within days of arriving in, in, 
in Sicily, they've got printing presses working, they've got water pumps working, and that comes from the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, he's, but like you say, he's only able, I mean, the, the reputation he has as this tactical, you know, uh, aggressive um, guy, that's only possible because he's mastered the other stuff. You can't. Absolutely. And I think that's you cannot, the key point. You cannot do the, 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 the you know, uh, and after all, the, the Germans operationally in 1940, in May 1940, with their, their armoured fist, the rest of the, the rest of the here is, it's a different story. The rest of the Wehrmacht is a different story because after all, there are bits of it that are resisting that happening. You know, Guderian and so on, they've got their shit together operationally and that's why they're able to perform tactically in a way that exactly. in a way that the in a way that the french army may have its act together tactically locally or whatever and in fact arguably the maginot line is an extremely sound strategic thing because it leaves you a mobile reserve you've you've tied up some of your forces you've tied up the enemy you've reduced the enemy's options yep. in all sorts of ways but the fact is they haven't got their act together operationally so they, they you, you know you can have you can have the best tactical soldiers in the world but if you're it, it, or, or the best tactical training in the world or the best lieutenants in the world and captains and company commanders which is where the tactical things happening at battalion level but if you haven't if you if you haven't got your operational side of things together I mean, it's very very interesting reading that article how much of it is you know showers hot chow yeah. um uh, yeah. uh, and and you know and jonathan Fennell writes about this about you know in normandy there's a point where things are going you know morale is beginning to seep um, out of, of um, Second Army, and suddenly there are showers in the rear, and suddenly there's beer, and suddenly there's this stuff to basically keep an eye on morale. And, and, and you know, again, Patton's really interesting. He's not, the operational level includes the morale level, as much as making sure everyone's got enough ammunition and everyone's fed properly and you've got enough fuel for your tanks. It's also making sure morale stays up, because otherwise... None of the other, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, I, have, I, I don't know how many dimensions we're talking about here, but, you know, the, 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 there's the three dimensions of land, air and sea, whatever, and then there's morale, and then there's, you know, yeah. it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a like a, an 11, dimensions. exactly, it's a, like an 11 dimensional game of chess that you've got to play if you're a sharp general. But, but, but what I will say is that, is that, you know, Bradley's really good at this as well. Hodges is really good at this as well. Mark Clark is really good at this. You know, you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. And the, my worry is always the sort of platonification of... Um, uh, 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 yes, but, but what I think is re really, really interesting about... about uh, so, so basically what happens is he charges, you know, as we all know, Third, third Army charges eastwards and yeah. does its sort of 300 miles in kind of nanoseconds and, and, and gets to where it should be at D, yeah. D plus 300. It should yeah. be in 2nd of April 1945 and is there in kind of September. So yeah. it, it's well ahead of the game. And, you know, it is, it is an incredible feat. But, of course, the problem is, is that overstretching, you know, yeah. they, they reach their culmination point. They reach the point where they can't, can no longer supply in the way that they need. Yeah. So then yeah. it's a question of kind of priorities and stuff. And then there's a huge argument about diversion of resources to the north, to 21st Army Group. Yeah. And... But once Patton loses that battle and he loses that fight and, and he's forced to kind of go on the defensive around on the Moselle, you know, near yeah. Nantes and, and opposite Metz. Yeah. It's not like they're faffing around. You know, they're still firing. They're still doing very, very vigorous patrol work, which is a good training exercise. And they're also yeah. training and building up, bringing up vast amounts of bridging. And yeah. I think this is really interesting because when you think about, you know, one of the criticisms about the crossing of the Rhine for Montgomery is that, you know, he prepared and prepared and prepared and over-prepared and yeah. 
do as much preparation as he did. And yeah, yeah, the yeah. Patton, uh, Patton and, and 12th Army Group just sort of ran it and just went over. Bullshit they did. They, they'd already yeah. got all, they'd, they'd done all that preparation, but they'd done a lot of the, you know, Patton, particularly Third Army, had done a lot of that preparation in the autumn of 1944. Well, yes, he spent, rather than, rather than spending his winter doing things like Blackcock and uh, uh, Veritable and grinding out um, areas and tidying up his flanks, which is which is what Montgomery spends his time doing. He's actually getting ready for the spring, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he's training, um, and they're they're, and training, tra and they're, they're training new kind of fort fortress infiltration techniques. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and you know, and he's pushing people hard. You know, Eddie um, Manton, Eddie, who, who arrives in Normandy as commander of the Ninth Division, Ninth Infantry Division, and then takes over Twelfth Corps. Yeah, you know, he's he he's constantly pushing Eddie all the time. You know, to, to, don't don't you know, don't think about too much about saving your men just just get on with it you know he, he's definitely yeah. driving him on that front but behind yeah. everything is this logistics this logistics firm base and even yeah. Patton doesn't do a major attack if he knows he hasn't got the right supplies so in that way yeah. no different from Montgomery when that, Montgomery when that... is criticized all the time yeah. for, for building up his his forces before an attack and making sure that he doesn't attack until he's guaranteed to win Patton is exactly the same. Yeah, well, and, and indeed, they, and indeed, they all are, because this is this is the Allied template for getting stuff done. Absolutely. And 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 just as I mean, and I think I think I think what's quite interesting about this, just as Montgomery's obsession with public presentation and pres offering a public persona as a way of as a way of co making contact with his men, which is what, after all, what he's trying to do, um, and the you know the sort of political bywash of that is something else, right? He's criticised for that, regarded as a popping jay, yeah. and 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 you know, and and I think I think one of the interesting things about Patton, of course, is that he because he dies in 1945, at the end of 1945, he's sort of your Jim Morrison of generals, he doesn't, <laughs> or Jimi Hendrix, you know, he doesn't he doesn't get to he doesn't get, well, you know, you know what I mean, he doesn't get to make a bum album. Fifty seven. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you, but you, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, so Mon exactly. Montgomery, Montgomery sets about being, you know, try uh, uh, and this is the thing um, uh, PCA said at um, uh, uh, Warfest, you know, that Montgomery sets about Montgomeryizing the army, basically firing everyone he, he doesn't care for and promoting his people and having a, you know, to the to the army that emerges in the fifties is in his image, right, and. And so for, therefore controls the debate, publishes these, these awful memoirs. And I think Montgomery's memoirs are really interesting because as a primary source, obviously you should handle them with oven gloves or, or they should, you, you know what I mean? They're, 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 but they're completely, they're a completely reliable depiction of the man, of what he was actually like. Yes. Because, because, because they're, they're slippery, they're tricky, their eye was always right, which is what he was like. So, you know, you can't, you can't you 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 can take his word for what he was like from the book. You can't take his word for anything that happened from the book. You, you know what I mean, right? Um, and Patton, although Patton does write a memoir, um, right at the end of just before he, you know, was assembling one, isn't he? When he's killed, dies in a road accident. He doesn't then spend the fifties being, you know, imagine Patton the Cold Warrior. Just imagine it. Just imagine the trouble he. Well, had there's a bit in his diaries where where the Russians turn up. So he yeah, goes, yeah. I'm 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 scarpering. I'm not. I don't want to be anywhere near them. He says that's what they yeah. do to us. So um, I'm, I'm going to give them as little information as possible. Yeah, and you yeah, know, already got an eye on the next the next conflict. Well, and he's all he, he, yeah, and he he says all sorts of um, things about Russians and how and you know, give me yeah, give me a chance to get my hands on these commie bastards sort of thing. Yeah. But but you but but 
I mean, in a, in a way, imagine it, you know, he's because he dies in 45, you're able, people have been quite able quite safely to project stuff onto him and to, and to, and to fall for the, to fall for the image he's projecting, which is blood and guts. But actually what we're talking about is, you know, it, the tip of the iceberg is the, is the bit with, and in, 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 in many ways, it's a tired analogy, the idea of a tip of the iceberg, but that's how the allied armies work is there's yeah. the tip of the iceberg. And this, you know, you, the enormous operational thing. I mean, it's very interesting, that article about how when they first do torch. I mean, I think what's, what's really interesting is every single major landing is described as no one's attempted this before. No one's <laughs> attempted torch before. No one's attempted Sicily before. Well, no one's attempted anything, but exactly. And no one's attempted anything as big as D-Day before. And each, each time it's like no one's ever tried this. And so. <laughs> But but at, but at Torch, they run into all those problems of, you know, that the, the supply line troops aren't good at blackout. They aren't good at camouflage. They aren't good at some of the logistics is 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 asked about face. They've not thought of prioritizing supplies for the for the combat arm um, and who gets it. So, you know, so that's the kind of, you know, the, the wrong lorry arrives with the wrong stuff at the wrong moment and you can't unpack it in the right order. You know, you can't get the ammunition off first because after all, yep. ammunition is ammunition is number one. You can you can you can go without food for a couple of days, but you can't go without ammunition for a couple of days. It's the yep. it's the thing everyone everyone sort of knows, but that hasn't actually shaken down through the American army. And I think it's very interesting that they start off that basically that the service end of the American army gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as the war progresses. They start off trying to recruit and train lots of teeth people, yeah. and then really realize actually you know what we need more tail and and and. We have to get this the right way around. It's, well, it's, it's absolutely no because because in twenty first Army Group it's forty three percent service corps. Um, um, but but according to that article, it's only thirty four percent. Thirty four. Thirty four. But but yeah. I but I think that's it. But but I think you can sort of you know add to that thirty four percent. You know all the service troops within an infantry division. You know the fight yeah. the, the you know the fighting arm of a of a sixteen thousand strong U.S. infantry division, yeah. nine thousand men. So there's a there's another seven who aren't. So you know, yeah. again, it's it's the same principle that the actual people that are doing the the, the hard yards and doing the you know the cold face of war are, are comparatively few. But I think what's what's really interesting about it is is that you know clearly Walter J. Mueller, uh, the logistics yeah. G four chief, is is a genius. But he's also got this yeah. amazing intelligence guy called called um, uh, what's his name um, Colonel Allen, who's a journalist and, and former NKVD operative as well in the 90s, yeah, I know. which I think is just fascinating. Uh, yeah, but, but, but it is up to the army commander to choose his staff and get the right yeah, staff. Yeah. And, yeah. and he does. And that's very much to his credit. And I think it's very interesting, again, when you when you look at him in, when he's commanding two corps in southern Tunisia in March yeah. 3, he's all over the place. You know, he's, he's all blood and guts and drive, but his operational level isn't quite on it. And also, he doesn't understand air power, and that's that's no massive fault of his own because you know tactical air, air power is is new. The concept of well, close it's, it's new. A, it's a year old. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's no, really, no one does. You know, no. I mean, <laughs> right. But by the summer of nineteen forty-four, boy, does he get it? So suddenly, he's yeah. turning into quite a complete commander, I think. And, and I think a lot yeah. of them are, to be fair. I mean, yeah. you know, makes the point. He says, you know. We've got momentum with us, you know. There's nothing uh, on the other side of the Moselle. We should be able to get across there, smash Metz, yeah. get in, yeah. across it. You know, we'll close up to the Rhine immediately. Um, yeah. But you know, now Monty, bloody Monty, wants it all. You know, it's hopeless. That that's not that's going to be terrible tank country in winter, of which Patton is absolutely right, incidentally. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it's yeah. low level, and, and you know, it's going to be flooded and everything. There's, and, and that absolutely proves yeah. the case. But of course, the bottom line is is regardless of supplies. 
they're outstretching that you know they're overdoing their supply lines you know so they yeah. so yes obviously if they could push over they've got they've got no opposition but they can't because they don't have the supply lines to support well, and it's, so it's, so it's and irrelevant it's, really yeah it's the endless it's the endless then what question that, that the allies have a you know and, and it's also that thing that we've talked about before that they're always you know that the, the ideal situation would be in nine months time is the, yes. is the thing that they're always yeah. running well into. i'm really taken with that that argument of yours i think it, i think you're absolutely bang on they're always kind of sort of six to nine months ahead of where that where they would be ideally and i think yeah. that's fascinating but you know the consequence of this is that the red ball express gets instigated at the very end of august i think on the 25th of august you yeah know, this sort of logistics uh um train of trucks that, that just sort of ferries yeah. some 12,000 tons of supplies to the US, you know, 12 army group yeah. every yeah. single day. And that has an immediate short term gain, but a long term massive negative effect yeah. because of the wear and tear on the trucks, which is just... Yeah, yeah. See, that's fascinating, isn't it? Because because at that point, they're improvising like mad. So you've got, I mean, what's really interesting is, is Patton has a German staff looking after prisoners of war. That they've that they've 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 been doing yeah. that, and there's that comment: better better personnel. You you know you couldn't ask for better better personnel. Yes. They've also they've also found fourteen thousand German spark plugs for refurbishing. Yeah. Isn't German that? I thought that was absolutely fascinating, and that that use of French factories as well to make duck, to make duck bills. Uh, yeah. And I think what is more interesting is less the tonnage that is supplied than the overall logistic picture, yeah, which is yeah. adapting the logistics in which you find yourself. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's astonishing, isn't it, that when they do that, that, that you know, they lose 100,000 gallons of fuel in the back yeah. of yeah. Germans, but they actually capture back or regain yeah. or, or rescue something like 100 million tonnes or so, gallons. Or yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's incredible. And there's that thing where he's issuing three-day passes to people who, who steal fuel or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 which again is, I think what's really interesting about that is that's like a, that's like a public pattern thing where yeah. he's, where, where that's, you know, that sounds great. That makes him sound like, like the guy's going by the seat of his pants, but that is not what they're doing. They're being incredibly thorough and, uh, and judicious with their use of ammunition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Cause there's that, that, there is that thing where, where they, they stop firing doing counter battery fire because and the Germans realize that the Americans are out of ammunition. So the Germans stop uh, shelling the, the Americans because they think, well, you know, they're, they're obviously short of ammunition. The moment we fire at them, they'll do counter battery fire and they don't want to do that at the moment. So, yeah. so basically a kind there's of a lull. There's a lull. And and and, and I think you know, you the opportunity for active, aggressive patrol work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for retraining and for put and for, for welding armor plate on the side of your Sherman tanks. Yeah. Yeah. And and bringing up bridge. And getting yeah. ready for the next phase. Once you once you accept, and this is the interesting thing that, that that you see in Patton's diary, you see an awful lot of outrage and bluster. He's like, you know, and I'm going to tell Brad that if he does this, I'm going to, you know, we should all resign. Yeah. You know, and that will get Ike on our side, and you know, and he won't because he won't want to relieve all of us, and blah 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 blah. And yeah. Like, uh, you can see him all yeah. under the collar. And then once the yeah. decision's made, it's like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, well, well, the next plan then and the next plan is getting ready for the next phase and, and his preparation is just absolutely second to none just, I'm sure right, just, the others is too but 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 it's it's interesting having the third army preparation laid bare i think but but just but just as Mon monty's um uh memoirs are unreliable diaries of diaries are fraught with problems aren't they because after all you let you're letting off steam very often in a diary you're you're not you know you're, you're getting out your system 
you're articulating the thoughts that you know you know you can't take anywhere else li literally you know uh, they, they can be that as much as him actually being angry about anything he's god i gotta god this is frustrating yeah i've got to get on i've got to get on with my job or or, or whatever you know and that he's and that he's not like he is in his diaries in general <laughs> it's very interesting i mean i have to say i think that the, the whole thing about the about bailey bridging is really really fasc fascinating because after all bailey bridging you know that uh triumph of british engineering uh, and yeah, so yeah. on uh bailey shit or whatever yeah what's really really interesting about that is Patton is on that like a hawk and and sees that he needs it and they're taking bailey bridges that are no longer in use in france because the main bridges have been repaired and so on reassembling them and then hiding them up forward for whenever they um uh whenever they're going to next need them and i think yeah. that that is very interesting and that, that that he's on that sort of fine point work and as you say it's just as much effort goes into his rhine rhine crossing preparations as as anyone else's you know as, yes uh, you yeah. know without falling into the monty trap as anyone else's anyway yeah. we're going to take a very brief break then we're going to talk about a speech yes that and then, and then, i think is also so really revealing and then then i want to i want to share bits of his diaries from the preparations for the battle for mets in november 1944 which are just fascinating we'll see you in a tick Welcome back to We Have Ways to Make You Talk. We me, Al Murray, and James Holland, and we are talking about George Patton. I mean, we've got this. <laughs> yes, we've got we this are. Far. We've got this far without we've doing got the that, that yellow livered. Yeah, well, well, and uh, and his thing. I mean, I think one of the things that's really interesting about Patton is he's a man of words. Yes. That, 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 um, we, you know, we've talked an awful lot about about you know the stuff he's doing and his emphasis on the operational and you know and some people put that that article puts that right back to the the, the mexican punitive um uh war of 1916 i think it's quite interesting <laughs> that that's called that now it's a punitive expedition they actually yeah. they've admitted it the americans have gone all right okay we went to punish the mexicans you know it's, okay i mean you wouldn't call it you wouldn't call a thing that now no would you? no <laughs> I don't think it's quite it's quite interesting, but 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 Patton learns his learns his stuff there because they're using cars and they're using trucks. Well, he leads is, the first mechanized assault in US history. I know, I know, I know, which is amazing. And and the thing is, is and that's 19, 1916. And obviously he's thinking, God, and he must have just been getting news of the use of tanks. I mean, does that predate the use of tanks at the Somme or does it post-date? I can't remember. I can't, but it's around the same kind of time. So, so when the first tanks are used in there. Yeah, and then he's running. He runs the tank training school in France, and uh, has the tanks at Meuse Argonne that, mm -hmm. he, that he's commanding, and and he's totally involved in the logistic uh, preparation of that tank force right there, right at the very start of. So, I mean, I think you know, I tend to downplay Patton stuff because there's because the other things, there's loads of other players on the field who are incredibly competent, and it's sort of this. The, 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 I don't want to fall for it, but but I mean, he really genuinely is the American armor pioneer. There's no, there's no two ways about it. No, you know he really actually genuinely can. You could you know, the diehard Patton fans they can claim that, and I won't go. Nah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> You'll give him it. Yeah, yeah, but but he's a man of words, and I think it's very interesting. You're talking about the diaries. He used speak. Made, he made lots of speeches and used speaking as a way of motivating his men. And and there's the famous address that, that to, to to Third Army, which which is a, there's a bit of it at the start of the Patton movie, 
with G- George C. Scott in his shiny uniform in front of the, the biggest stars and stripes you've ever seen. Now, Patton, after all, that wasn't actually, he would present himself like that um, on special occasions, but generally didn't. Yeah. Is the other thing is that we're, we're, he's, don't be beguiled by the by the PR pictures, you know, that that's not really how I operated. However, the rhetoric is really, really interesting. And and after all, the thing to remember about Patton when he's taking over Third Army and, and what's quite funny is that that article about what a brilliant logistician he is completely ignores the fact that he's fired at the end of the Sicily campaign. <laughs> Just it, suddenly he's um, selected for, you know, 22nd of January, 44. Oh, he gets the third army job. Yeah. But I thought he was, I thought he was in Sicily. And, you know, and it makes the point he's 30 days in Tunisia, 38 days in, in, in Sicily. And, and then it stops. And I think the speech he makes, and, and, and there's argument about whether he even made this speech, whether it exists and all that sort of thing. And I think that's interesting about, that's almost more interesting than the speech that people are still arguing over what he may or may well, not have said. said it. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I think, really, you know, whether it's part of the Burnish legend. But I think it's really, really interesting. And of course, he got into trouble with this speech for using bad language, profanity. And there are bits of, and it's a thing that always amazes me that there are bits of, even in an army, there are people who go, oh, we can't have swearing, old boy, which takes you straight to, which takes you straight to Apocalypse Now and Colonel Kurt saying, you know, the, you can't write fuck on an aeroplane, but you can kill people. You know, that the what is the obscenity, war or bad language? Yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It takes you straight to those arguments. And, but it's a really, really interesting speech because it delivers on the thing we are talking about. For all the blood and guts in it, for all the war is how a man is truly tested and how you prove yourself as a man, for, which, is, which this speech is absolutely full of, it still talks about, it talks about the operational level, which I think is, which is fascinating because you can see he knows and he needs them to know because if you're a, if you're a smart enough soldier, you, whether you know it's called the operational level or not, you know you need this stuff. You know you need assurance in this regard because after all, that's the morale component. You know, that's you're being taken care of. Yeah. You're not being you're not being squandered. You're not going to be squandered and all that sort of stuff. So he starts off, he, he used to say, be seated. And then, man, all this stuff you hear about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war is a lot of horse dung. And I, I sort of think, well, there's, there's okay. the... Um, someone's, someone's written that down. I don't think that's... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right, that's, the, that's the lamb's tails version, isn't it? America, and then he goes, this, I mean, Americans love to fight. All real Americans love the sting and clash of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, the big league ball players, and the toughest boxers. <laughs> Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a, used, a loser. Americans play to win all the time. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. The very thought of losing is hateful to Americans. Battle is the most significant competition in which a man can indulge. It brings out all that is best and removes all that is base. I mean, that, that's stern stuff. And that's, that's, that's militarism, isn't it? Yeah. Battle's good for you. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, uh, it, you know, it Tojo would agree. Tojo would agree, Hitler would, Hitler would, Hitler's 100% on board with that sentiment, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. But then, but then he's trying to motivate inspire he then says the army. yeah he then says you are not all going to die oh that's right then <laughs> exactly and then he says 
only 2% of you right here today would be killed in a major battle. Now, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know about... I'm I still stand, I'm about, standing there and I'm swallowing quite hard, I've got to say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 8.6 uh, 8. Uh, uh, per thousand were killed in action, although 38, it's 38.8% we're in rear echelon jobs. So, you know, so that's that not far from your 30, 43, is it? Exactly. And so, uh, so if you get that 8.6 per thousand of the share of the 61.2% who were on the front, it's cre it's creeping away from his 2% of you here right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The major, the yeah, major yeah. battle. But, that, but that's the whole point about the way the allies fight. Yeah. Yeah. He's also like, you know, there's a lot of road traffic accidents and everything. So I think one of the things that's really striking when you look at when you look at deaths um, in the European theatre of operations, there's an awful lot is road traffic accidents and um, negligent discharges and, you know, like yep. the, 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 fri the friction for, for of a giant... thousand cases of frostbite. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Giant organisations, you know, uh, the, the, the churn and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, the American Ground Forces lost 141,088 men in total, I think. Um, something like that. Third Army lost 16,596 men. Dead. So, or casualties. Yeah. Dead. 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 96,000 wounded, 26,000 missing. Right, so that's a total of 139,646 casualties. So 2% of you right here will be killed in a major battle. Mm, a little bit hard. <laughs> and, exactly. And he'll have been absolutely familiar with how he did in, how, um, how he did in Sicily and what the numbers were. So there's a... I mean, it's a Barefaced. So that's just a lie. It's a barefaced lie. Yeah. Right. That's and then, uh, but it's real. But, 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 I mean, I think what's so interesting about this is, 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 you know, we've started off with battle is what's good for you. Everything else, everything left behind is base. Then he says, every man is scared in his first action. If he says he's not, he's a goddamn liar. Right. The real hero is the man who fights, even though he's scared. Some men will get over their fright in a minute under fire. Some take an hour. Some it takes days. The real man never lets his fear of death overpower his honour, his sense of duty to his country, and his innate manhood. Right? So he's talking about manhood. Medieval this stuff, is, isn't it? This is this is but, this is chivalric code stuff, isn't it? But also, this is six months after he's been fired for slapping people with combat fatigue. Yeah. Or or, or a year later. It's so kind of a year later. The yeah. following year. So he has gone straight back to the issue that got him fired. Amazing. And they all. Isn't they all know it is amazing and it doesn't sound like he's changed his mind right um no is he, it? he sort of went i'm really sorry can we move on now yeah you know sorry but, about but, that can we move on yeah. and 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 yeah, and marshall's 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 a sponsor ike's a sponsor he's got friends in the right places and i think i think you know that there's this very interesting thing that keeps that the allies this often happens is someone good screws up and the you know the the Whoever is the, the, watching over them in, the, in their armies goes, you know what? He's fucked up there, so we'll, we'll cool him off for a bit, but we're going to need him later. And Slim is a good example. You know, Slim screws yeah. up in yeah. Africa. Mm -hmm. Montgomery, Montgomery's, you know, nearly fired over that yes. again, over, yeah. over using, um, using inappropriate language. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and really runs into trouble, you know, politically after normandy and yep. i don't think really i think the stuff during normandy is overblown but he does certainly make he does mess up and certainly after yeah. um the battle of the bulge he really screws up but they keep him on because yeah. they know in the end uh, anyway this is the bit though i mean you know then you've got then you've got um 
Then you've got all through your army career, you men have bitched about what you call this chicken shit drilling. That is all for a purpose, to ensure instant obedience to orders and to create constant alertness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This must be bred into every soldier. I don't give a fuck for a man who is not always on his toes, but the drilling has made veterans of all of you. You are ready. And, and so on. There are 400 neatly marked graves in Sicily, all because one man went to sleep on the job. But they are German graves because we caught the bastard asleep before his officers did. Right. I mean, so anyway, but then we get into operational level. The army is a team. It lives, eats, sleeps and fights as a team. The, this individual hero stuff is bullshit, he says. Now, that's amazing. Yeah. Given what he's just given, said about, come on, everyone got to man up. Well, and also, but and also given his reputation as the, as the sort of the general who rely, who wants heroism. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bilious bastards who write that stuff for the Saturday Evening Post don't know any more about real battle than they do about fucking. And we have the best team. <laughs> I know, it's great, that, isn't it? And I love that someone altered horse dung at the start of this. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> they started, but then they kind of... Well, maybe, know, maybe you know what? say horse dung. Well, maybe he really, really did say horse dung. Maybe horse dung was ruder in 1944. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we have the best team. We have the finest food and equipment, the best spirit, the best men in the world. Why? By God, I actually pity those poor, poor bastards we're going up against. Anyway, he gets to, he then gets to one of the bravest men. And you go through a bit more of this kind of, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this. I don't want to yellow cowards in the army. They should be killed off like flies. We get through, you know, they go, if not, they'll go back home after the war. Goddamn cowards and breed more cowards. The brave men will breed more brave men. Kill off the goddamn cowards and we'll have a nation of brave men. That's straight out of my camp. <laughs> it, it, it absolutely is, isn't it? It absolutely I, I get why he's saying it, but, you know, well, but here's the operational level. And this is the, this is the, po the point I sort of want to make with this, that he's... That, that, that's in this speech. One of the bravest men I saw in the African campaign was on a telegraph pole in the midst of furious fire while we were moving towards Tunis. I stopped and asked him what the hell he was doing up there. He answered, fixing the wire, sir. Isn't it a little, un I mean, it's probably completely untrue, but anyway, isn't this a little unhealthy up there right now? I asked, yes, sir, but this goddamn wire has got to be fixed. I asked, don't those planes strafing the road bother you? And he answered, no, sir, but you sure as hell do. Now there was a real soldier, a real man. <laughs> man devoted. God all, damn it! I know, but but what that what's that about? That's about the operational level. He's yeah, yeah. he's in his speech. He's saying, look, I know some of you, some of you are going to be in a foxhole, but some of you have got to do sort of mundane things, sometimes dangerously. I just think it's really, really interesting. Yeah. And and you know, and he talks about drivers driving for forty consecutive hours. That's guts. That's American guts and. Yeah. Not combat men, but they were soldiers with a job to do. Part of a team. Without them, the fight would have been lost. So he, he knows, he knows, he, you know, he knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's saying. And he's saying there's a whole picture here. Yeah, he absolutely. You know. and, and and this is my point. I I do think operationally he's absolutely on it. I think he's really really strong. And I think by yeah. you you see this by summer of 1944 when he takes command of third army he's just become a much more complete commander than he was and of course yeah. you know why wouldn't he because you know he's now commanded seventh army which after all is the first field army to be put into yep. field yeah in yeah war by the united states yeah you know, in 1943 so he's got that crucial experience and he and he's seen planning and he's got his staff together and, and his staff are all going to be saying to him you know this is what's really important chief and and yeah. you know so 
you know, he's not an idiot. He's gonna he's gonna get all that. So, of yeah. course, he, he he gets it. Um, I think it's interesting. Though. I mean, one of the one of the interesting things about him as well is he's quite old, isn't he? Yeah. He's fifty five when he when he when he gets that first proper job, and that you know, the, the, one of the, one of the interesting things about this is is you've got generals in their thirties or brigadiers at least in their thirties at this stage of the war because because there's been yeah. you know talent's been shaken down. Yeah, and he is that he is that little bit older, and that the that he has the vigor and the energy to um. Uh, run run these kinds of battles i think is also really really is is really fascinating and you know i i imagine the young pattern was a complete pain in the ass and you you you, you see in his early career he's given you know he's, he's at one point he's supposed to go off somewhere to buy horses for the u.s cavalry <laughs> and to spend some spend some time in in horse selection basically yeah. surrounded by horse dung no doubt and he says to pershing who's his who's his kind of his mentor I don't want to do that and and is moved doesn't have to do that so so he was obviously i mean what i think one of the really interesting things with, and he was well connected wasn't he he comes from a wealthy family so oh yeah yeah he's i mean he's a he's a cavalryman in the way that a, a british cavalryman would yeah. be a cavalryman he's got money he's got you know he's one of these people who's very interested in his in his ancestors so and they they have claimed the patterns claim to sort of have british nobility in their ancestry which i think is an interesting thing in america that that you're making that claims after all you know the, the war of independence is the great break with all that but but perhaps not but i think he's like a cavalryman would be here in some respects is that he can afford he can afford his fancy uniforms and after all there is that exercise isn't there where he buys the fuel um uh uh for his armored uh troops just like they've run it that's on the louisiana maneuvers isn't it where he just yeah, the louisiana maneuvers, yeah. The filling stations yeah, yeah. I, I he tells them yeah he leaves checkbooks he leaves his leaves checks at the yeah. at the filling stations and says you know like get the fuel you need you know just crack on which i think is really which then you know kind of is echoed in in europe in 44 where he's reopening mines he's um he's getting duck bills made in french factories for those are the duck right. bills to go on, on the yeah. tracks of shermans and all that yeah, stuff. yeah. just he's thinking like that yeah absolutely fascinating yeah. well i say using the existing infrastructure the other thing yeah. is is that that you know, when you read the diaries, you can see that he absolutely is a man of uh, immense energy because he's moving around all the time. You know, he's constantly on the move, visiting troops, frizzing the front line. He's obviously a very visible general, which is very much the way of the Second World War. But but yeah. he takes it to a kind of to another level, possibly. Uh, he's also incredibly well read. I, I think it's worth just um, just just. Yeah. Looking at some of these, I mean, some of these entries are just fantastic. He's always citing the Civil War, and and you know, I yeah. I told Eddie what Grant said that you know, if you haven't got enough men to defend, then attack and things like this. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just brilliant. So he's he's the bit I was just just reading just before we came on was on the um, was November the eighth, nineteen forty four, yeah. and it's just a particularly good entry. And this is the day that they launched the attack on Metz. And this is two years to the day that he lands in yeah. Morocco, yeah. you know, on Operation yeah. Um And also the day before, he, he confesses that he's had, you know, um, heart palpitations, uh, which is something he often suffers from just before a battle begins. Uh, I mean, wow. there's a sort of hint of fallibility there, which I think is yeah, really yeah. interesting. But he says on the 8th of November, he, he goes, woke up at 0300 and it is raining like hell. I actually got nervous and got up and read Rommel's book, Infantry Attacks. It was most helpful as he described all the rains he had in September 1914, and also the fact that in spite of the heavy raids, the Germans got along, went to bed and to sleep at 03.45. At 05.15, the artillery preparation woke me. 
The rain had stopped and the stars were out. The discharge of over 400 guns sounded like the slamming of doors in an empty house. Very many doors, all slamming at once. All the eastern sky glowed and trembled with the flashes of guns, and I thought how the enemy must feel, knowing that at last the attack he has dreaded has come. I also remembered that I had always demanded the impossible, had dared the extreme occasion, and never one betrayed. How I had never taken counsel of my fears, and I thanked God for his goodness to me. Wow. Wow. He's a words person, isn't he? And, uh, you know, he, he very much occupies a, a, a written space, doesn't he? Uh, I think that's very interesting. And, 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 given, and given, you know, supposedly he was dyslexic and all that sort of thing, that, there's that built into it too. There's a I mean, lot I, of God-fearing. I mean, he, he's yeah, always yeah. going to churches and, you know, sort of, you know, went to, went to such and such cathedral is lovely and all the glass has been taken out, but it's beautiful. And, you know, I pray yeah. to God and thank him for my successes and pray. Yeah, but you know, we, you know exactly which God it is though. It's, it's, it's a God, God it's a God, a God who delivers on hellfire. It's Mars. I mean, he's, that's, yes, that's, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, but it's still interesting that he does, you know, he, yeah, uh, yeah. I think, he, I think his, his approach to God is entirely medieval. Yeah. You know, it's it sort of, it's it's born into him. That's what you do. God's on your side because you're the righteous yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Is, is, isn't that what the kind of, the Knights Templars were thinking? Yeah, yeah. Well, the I, the heart or whatever, or, or. But I, he's, you see, the thing is, the more, the, the, the more, the more we talk about him, the more like, <laughs> this is going to sound like complete heresy for some people, the more like Montgomery he is. Yeah. Who had a, fa who had faith. And 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 was high profile and restless, a little bit older, and um, uh, totally into lo logistics. Understood the limits, the war, understood the warrior culture of his men. Because that's I'm one of the interesting things about Monty's is he always, you know, he was really interested in the idea of county regiments and your, your Warwicks and your, which is where he came from. That sort of idea of those, yep. you know, in the way that. Patton talks about American warrior culture that they're that they're they're plugged. You know, an interesting thing for generals with these civilian armies is that they have to be plugged into their culture as much as anything else, and understand yes. their their culture really well and the culture of the of their men. And and, and I think that's a that's a sort of that's a, a thing I don't know that we that we kind of talk about that gets talked about much. You've well, really got to know. I, 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 I you know what I mean? Agree. But, but what, what that reinforces is that the army commander has to be the complete commander. He has to be, yeah. he has to be the, the, the soldier in the round. You know, he's not fighting yeah. battles. He, he's leading the way. He's inspiring. He's providing, ensuring morale is okay. He's, he's an enabler. He's a, yeah. he's, a, he's a driver. He's a big picture person. You know, he's the CEO. You know, he's the, he's the chairman of the board and the CEO all rolled yeah. into one. And that's yeah. his job. He's got to have that overall picture. And I think, you, you know, the, the best guys in the Second World War by this stage of the war do have that, you know, and, and yeah. he has it in space. And I, I, but, I, but I think what is the, the big message that comes away from for me for this is that for all the kind of sort of reputation he has as being, um, you know, the, the tactical commander, it's yeah. the operational commander is where, uh, which is perhaps surprising, and it's that preparation and, and dare I say it, caution. Um, yeah. Caution in <laughs> not caution in a bad way, not 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 stuttering. Caution as in making sure you've got your ducks in a row, um, which yeah. is entirely sensible. But as you say, that's exactly what Monty's doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to dwell on that comparison. But I just sort of think that the fact that we're the fact that we are so distracted by their public presentation, both of them, 
um, 80 years later, I think is, uh, you know, a testament to the power of that public demonstration how, and how deeply it penetrated people's yeah. imaginations. Now, uh, um, but also, but, but it, it also, you don't, if you're not going to fall for it with one of them, you shouldn't fall for it with the other. Yeah. If, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, perhaps. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Anyway, um, well, what an interesting chat, Jim. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's, it's good. To, we haven't answered any questions that so I feel a bit guilty about. But on the other hand, uh, it's, it's nice doing a little sort of uh, a, a medium level dive on someone like Patton. <laughs> yes, I mean, there's there's plenty of deep dive to be done with him, obviously. But um, yes. uh, yeah, this will do for now. <laughs> Tip of the iceberg. Tip of the, yeah, I mean, yeah, without um, uh, getting hung up on that. But that, but, but that is the, the allied way of war is the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, essentially. Yeah, the, the, no, I think we've, we've only ticked. Uh, we've only oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but but uh, but these well, things, yeah, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Anyway, all very interesting. Um, where are you? Where are you next on your book tour? Uh, yeah, I'm up to St Andrews tonight, and then um, Edinburgh tomorrow, and then um, back home Friday. Lovely. Via Excellent. the Wirral and Oswestry. Well, I'm. Uh, oh, really? Oswestry. Yeah. I've I've never been to Oswestry. I've driven through it. I'm not sure I have either. Oswald Street and Utoxeter are two places. <laughs> I never know how to say into. that. Is it Utoxeter? Exa- I, I don't or know. Utoxeter. Just don't. Let's not get hung up on it. Um, the, 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 um, <laughs> I mean, I, I have a show in Southend. Uh, well, no, well, I will have done a show in Southend. Mm-hmm. Tours, tours going very well. I keep seeing people in the IC company. Um, oh, hey, uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, where was it? Very it, nice. Did you well last night? Uh, where was I? Well, I'm well. This is a, well. We oh, were in like Bristol the night. Like we were in Bristol the night before last, which was which was, was brilliant. Oh, yeah, really, really, really great fun. And then yeah, Southend, and then a Margate. And I'm going to I, um for the live cast on Monday. I will be um uh I will have <laughs> you'll have seen, people have seen this. I will have, I'm, I'm in France, so we'll be doing we'll be doing the live cast or will have done the live cast from France. Oh, um, you're, you're, you're in Malta. And Victoria, so you're Taylor. Victoria Taylor. Victoria Taylor, she's taking yeah, my yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. some top top Luftwaffe yeah. chit chat. Yeah, absolutely, some top Luftwaffe chit chat. But we should try and do a podcast from Malta. We should, we should, we, we should try and do all these things. We keep saying we should try and do. Go <laughs> <laughs> see Alex Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, thanks everybody for listening. We yeah. hope you enjoyed this one. <laughs> Every goddamn man who listens to this and doesn't like it is a coward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's been swell. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. See you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Cheerio.